Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is April 24, and our chapter for today is 2 Kings 25. Before we get into the podcast today, I want to do something I rarely do, but I'm going to be doing more and more in the days ahead because so many are asking about resources that will help them to understand the Word of God. As you know, my life is dedicated to training leadership in the Western culture, training in the Judaic roots of the Bible, not teaching people to be Jews, not trying to convert Gentiles into Jews, but rather to teach the historical, geographical, cultural context of the Bible within its linguistic framework. And every resource that I can give to you, I will. Many of you have asked about a good study Bible. Now, I use the New King James Version for a variety of reasons. If some of you that are out there that are more scholarly and you want to know why I use that, I'll be delighted to tell you. I know what some of you are thinking already. Well, he is a majority text man, and uh, you may be an ancient text man, but I can tell you, you're not going to get off that easy because you're not going to categorize me because I understand something, something of textual criticism. And there are a number of reasons why, not just one, that I choose the New King James Version of the Bible. But I want to recommend to you a study Bible if you do not presently have one. And there's so many reasons I want to recommend this to you. But one is the timeline. The timeline is accurate. So many timelines in our Bibles, if it gives one at all, they are, I believe, inaccurate according to the Word of God. This one is good, and it is a tremendous biblical timeline, and I want to encourage that because if you get the timeline wrong, hardly anything makes sense as you read through the Bible. Now, there are several uh, study Bibles by Thomas Nelson Publishing Company. I want to recommend the one that is called the NKJV Study Bible, 3rd Edition, Full Color Edition. I'll say it again, New King James Version, Study Bible, NKJV, Study Bible, 3rd Edition, Full Color Edition. Earl Rodmacher, THD, is the general editor. Ronald B. Allen is the Old Testament editor. And Wayne House is the New Testament editor. That's very important that you get this particular one because it has the timelines that are accurate, but it has the most accurate maps in the text right where they are needed more than any Bible I've ever seen. And many of you say, well, I use the David Jeremiah study Bible. I use the John MacArthur study Bible. I use uh, whatever and you name it. Well, let me just say to you, as much as I admire and respect, and I really, really do, both uh, John MacArthur and David Jeremiah, no man is good at everything. 
And so in these that have many and various scholars that help in putting together the notes, I think that is to the advantage of the reader and the student, simply because these are experts in those particular books. Uh, One day, God willing, if he allows me to live, I've been asked to do a study Bible, and I will do one, but I will only do the things that I believe that God has given me research capabilities in, and the rest of it, I'm going to farm out and subcontract to men who are the greatest in their fields. I believe that that's what they've done here. It's hard to put together anything that's perfect because nothing will be except the Word of God and both living and written. But I want to say to you, this is well worth your investment. You can pick one up for less than $75 most places. It's not going to be a soft leather sheepskin or anything like that. It'll be bonded leather, but it is well worth the price. And the notes in it are tremendous. But again, they have word studies in there that are excellent, excellent. And it's hard to find good word studies, but they have excellent word studies. They have good contributors, good articles, but the timelines and the maps and the charts are without parallel. And I want to encourage you to get a good study Bible. You need one. I will be recommending other things as we go along. And so I'm going to go as far into this as I possibly can because this is a critical chapter. It's the last chapter in the book of Second Kings before we get into the Chronicles material. And I just want to back up, if we could, to chapter 24 because we need to lay the groundwork. And so what I'm going to try to do maybe is go ahead and do two parts to today because I don't want to get too far extended and uh, past the 15 or 20 minute mark because I know you have time limits and so do I. And so I may do two on this and then go on to the next day. And so if you see a Second Kings chapter 25 Part A and Part B, you will know that this is what I've done. But this is for the 24th day of April and the podcast dealing with the chapter, uh, chapter 25. And so just keep that in mind, but there's probably going to be two parts to it. And the reason is I need to lay the groundwork because I know that the audience that listens to me, and by the way, now 43 nations, people in 43 nations are listening to this and right at 2,000 cities, people People from 2,000 cities, that is, different locations around the world are listening, the majority in the United States. And so there are people with that kind of audience that are listening and downloading every day throughout this year. There are people that have just been saved, people that have just become followers of Jesus, people who are uh, scholars uh, that follow this, people with doctorates that are teaching and our seminaries are following this. We have pastors that follow this from coast to coast. We have people from every walk of life, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders. And I want to have something for everyone. But what I want to do is be accurate in teaching you the Word of God. And I want to emphasize what I do is teach the story of God because the story of God, which actually begins before Genesis chapter 1 and ends after Revelation 22, but in the meantime, God is laying out the story of creation, of redemption, of recreation, 
of eternity before time began, eternity after time will end. But what we call time, this space-time continuum that we live in, that God acts in now, that, that is recorded, is so important that we get the storyline. Often when I'm in Israel, people say to me, this makes so much sense to me. And the reason they're saying that is not because I'm some expert teacher. God knows that but that they are now connecting the dots. This is so important because in America we have all of these various kinds of topical messages, expository messages, even what's now called text-driven messages. But if all you're doing is getting a snapshot, an episode, and the storyline, the context is not given, then many times we don't get the valuable lessons that God is trying to teach. Because yes, there is an immediate application And we usually go past exegesis, explanation, amplification, illustration, and go right to application because Americans are so much, and the West is so much into me. And so, okay, I get it. So how does this affect my life? Well, we cannot properly apply the text until we know the text and understand the text, or else the application will be flawed. This is rampant in our culture today. That's proof texting. That's taking a text out of context, which will eventually and always be used as a proof text to prove something. You see, God speaking his word to us, the logos becoming rhema, that is the content of the word of God becoming prophetically personal to you, will always be in context. God will never tell you something randomly. And the reason is he is a God of order and design, and he does things always consistently with his nature. And so it's very important that we understand the timeline. This is why I recommended this particular study Bible to you, because it's one of the few that has the timeline right. While I'm recommending, let me just say to you, if you're looking for a good Old Testament study, there is no one that you can read any better than Dr. Eugene Merrill. He taught at Dallas Theological for years at First Baptist Church, at the Crystal College. He's been an adjunct several places, but a great man of God. And he taught me the methodology that I use today. I was a nobody. I was just someone sitting out there in his class. I was just like everybody else soaking it in, but somehow God used him to spark something in me because I had one aha moment after another when I began to piece together God's story of redemption. And now I am able to do that to thousands of people worldwide and to help them to do this through the story of the Crimson River, what W.A. Criswell called the scarlet thread through the Bible, all to say God does everything on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. And so when we come to this last chapter of Second Kings, we are at the demise of the great kingdom of Judah, not the end of the dynasty. That dynasty is forever. And the reason is, is because the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, none other than the Lion of the tribe of Judah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, 
Christos, the anointed one. He is the great king of the Judaic dynasty, and his kingdom is forever. That's what God promised, and that's what God has come through with. And one day, this same Messiah, Yeshua, will reign on earth. If the Bible is accurate, if it is true, and I say that as a rhetorical question in the indicative mode for those of you who know Greek, because this is an assumption of reality. And so when we come to 2 Kings chapter 25, you get the story that started in 24, where Nebuchadnezzar has now defeated the Assyrians in 612. You have the complete destruction of Nineveh. Then in 609, the Battle of Carchemish, where the Egyptian dynasty was crushed. So now Nebuchadnezzar, his father Nebuchadnezzar, they are the rulers. They are the Neo-Babylonians in contradistinction to the Paleo, the older Babylonian kingdom, the ancient Babylonian kingdom, which was in the far distant past from this time period. And when we come to 605 BC, you have the first wave of the Judean captivity. Now, God had said to his people when he brought them into the land, if you this is your land. I'm giving it to you forever as your inheritance. But if you disobey me and you serve other gods and you go after the gods of those who are around you, I will surely spew you out of the land. The northern kingdom is gone now. It is wasted away as the Assyrians completely decimated. That is, left only a tenth behind, brought in 90% of people from other parts of the world. They came in you had a mixed breed of people made up from people around the earth. They intermarried with the Jewish population. They had children in the capital of Samaria and that whole area. And so they became known as the Samaritans. And that's where they came from. And they were mortal enemies with the Jewish people, the Jewish people with them, simply because they were not a full breed Jewish people, not a full DNA like those of Moses and others that had brought the people out of a Egyptian bondage. And so you read about them all the way down through the New Testament era, and they are still in existence today on Mount Gerizim. And so all of this is still part and parcel of what started way back then. But now the Assyrians have been defeated. Uh, Now the pharaohs of Egypt have faded away simply because they had to stay there. And the scripture, chapter 24, actually states that, that they couldn't even come out of their country because Nebuchadnezzar from the river of Egypt all the way to the Euphrates and Mesopotamia had now firmly gotten everything into his control. And so he came to Jerusalem and without firing one shot, without doing anything that was outlandish to the city, not destroying anything per se, he came in, he took away all of the royalty, the blue bloods, the educated, the elite. And with that was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They were the ones that the Bible talks about, although there were many, many more that were taken captive. It was Daniel that began to shine like a great bright light in captivity. 
You can read the book of Daniel chapter 1 and see that Daniel stood out, he and his three friends. Daniel was renamed and given uh, the name of a god of the Babylonians. So was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of those Babylonian names because their appearance changed, everything about them changed, but they couldn't change their heart. They couldn't change their mind. Even though they were in a foreign land, they were faithful to God. And you read about that in the book of Daniel. Not only Daniel paid for his faithfulness to God by being thrown into a lion's den, by being lied about, by being mocked, ridiculed, all of that, but so did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they were put into a fiery furnace. And you can read about this again in the book of Daniel. That happened in 605 B.C. And when Nebuchadnezzar left in 605, he said, if there's trouble, I'm going to come back. So he set up a puppet king instead of following and doing as he was told. Jeremiah had already prophesied, written the letter to the captives and said, look, you need to pray for the land that you're in. You're going to be there for 70 years at least. And many more were there until literally this last century. I hope you understand what I just said. Many that were taken into captivity, their lineage were there until the last century when Israel became a state in 1948. Then those who were in Persia, in Iran, those who were in Iraq, which is the Mesopotamia, old ancient Babylon, all of those Middle Eastern countries where they had been ever since the captivity because everyone didn't come back. As you know, only about 50,000 came back in 538 to 535. And then in the second wave with Ezra, they all didn't come back. With Nehemiah, they didn't all come back. During the Greek period, they didn't all come back. And so they were still scattered throughout that ancient world, Mesopotamia, what is we call the Persian Gulf states, into Iran, which was Persia up until the 30s, the 1930s, that is, A.D. That is when those that were in those lands that had been there ever since the captivity, the Babylonian captivity, 600 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem until 1948 when they were expelled, some before that time, before 1948, but they were expelled, cast out of those countries and made to go back. Many of the people I know in Israel today, their families were expelled when Israel became a nation. When the homeland was created and recognized by the League of Nations, the United Nations later, indeed, they cast them out. They were not allowed to stay, so they came back. And so this is how far-reaching the beginning of the captivity was in 605. So the first phase was in 605. The second phase was in 597. And then what we're going to read about in this chapter reading, chapter 24 and 25, specifically 25 for this April 24th is the third phase uh, and the final phase of the Babylonian captivity when the beautiful temple that Solomon had built in the 900s, it was uh, dedicated in the late 950s, probably sometime 959, something like that. It was dedicated from that time forward until 586 it stood and then the first temple period came to an end as the Babylonians came in, totally destroyed it. And in that second phase of the captivity, we'll talk about in the next podcast, Ezekiel was taken while Jeremiah was left behind. But that's all the time we have for now. This is a critical period. I'm going to have to do it again. Sorry to go long. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. 
Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.